You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric is so up here. Excited to be joined by 2019 NLC Atlanta fellow Megan Nicole is here. We're going to talk podcast because she has a great one. So we're going to get very meta about that experience amongst other things, including uh, some of our alma mater talk uh, back in the Emory days. So thanks for tuning in this episode. Let's get to it. All right, Megan, I'm always excited to have folks who are just wrapping up the fellowship, the 2019 crew. So tell me a little bit about how you heard of NLC in the first place. So I am based in Atlanta, like you mentioned, and I was actually in another leadership program um, within my particular county. And at that same time, I had a cohort member who was doing that program and NLC at the same time. And towards the end of our program, she she said that she wanted to recommend me for this other leadership program called NLC. I hadn't heard of it before, so I asked her for a little bit more info about it. And um, because at least to me, initially, it struck me as something that was for people who are interested in politics. And that's not necessarily my primary um, my primary interest. So, but she explained to me that it was a program that was um, designed for like progressive millennials, but not only millennials who are in the political space. So they still cover skills that would be relevant to business, entrepreneurship, you know, whatever industry you might be in, healthcare, economics, that type of thing. And so that really piqued my interest um, because I am a multi-passionate person. And I think that, that more leadership programs out there need to embrace the fact that a lot of our young people, our peers are multi-passionate people and have a variety of interests that don't just include or or revolve around politics and being able to incorporate progressive values into some of those areas also. Yeah. So um, I, I applied and I got in and it was an amazing experience. Yeah, did anything surprise you about the six months? Uh, I think the intensity of yeah, <laughs> long of Saturdays and Sundays. Is true. Yes, yes, that was. I mean, not necessarily surprised because you know up front that it's going to be all day. You know, for those weekends, but being in it and and having that actual experience by the end of it, you just feel so full of valuable information that the presenters and your um, co curriculum chairs have provided to you, but also just kind of overwhelmed like you need to process <laughs> some some of that information so um i think that just came as a at the end of every sunday i was like okay guys i can't do anything else i just need i just need to process this yeah and have y'all done your fundraiser yet or is it still it's under? actually tomorrow our fundraiser oh, is tomorrow yep and what is there a specific theme or just kind of like a general hey come celebrate with the fellows what's the so we're celebrating uh, 10 years of NLC Atlanta specifically. So um, that's that's kind of our main themes, bringing everyone to everyone together who has been a part of NLC Atlanta in the past and just um, kind of reconnecting with our with our roots in the sort. Yeah, there's actually a lot of chapters, including us out here in Los Angeles as well, doing doing some 10 year stuff. I saw like Sacramento was riffing on that a little bit, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wild that. Chapters have been around that long. Yeah, um, yeah it's cool that everyone's going to come back. It'd be great. Well, listen, let's talk podcast because, you know, I'm glad to have you on because once we started the Zag out here, we uncovered some folks in our alumni community who already had podcasts, which is great. But a couple of folks have also uh, asked us how easy, how hard is it to, to start something to get some traction with it? Walk folks a little bit through how your podcast came to be. So my podcast is called The Lazy Millennial Lounge for Multi-Passionate Millennials, and it actually started as a YouTube channel. 
So I created um, I created this website right in 2018, February 2018. So a little over a year ago, and it was designed to help uh, multi passionate millennials build and develop creative, profitable lives that they actually love and enjoy, not just like like or tolerate or hate. Um, and so I wanted as a part of that to feature millennials who were doing that to kind of provide that inspiration, that encouragement. Um, and so I started a YouTube channel as a component of the blog. As I continued doing the interviews on the YouTube channel, I started thinking about where I get most of my content. And for me, as a as a busy, multi-passionate millennial who's also a parent and a wife, I'm in the car a lot. You know, I'm in Atlanta. We have to drive. <laughs> so I'm in the car a lot and I'm listening to podcasts a lot. And I thought, well, this might be another platform that might help me reach a wider audience um, and, and serve more people. So that's when I converted the YouTube channel into a podcast. And that was about maybe seven months ago. I don't know. My time is all off. But October of last year, that's when I converted it to a podcast. Um, It was pretty simple because everything that was in place for the YouTube channel was pretty much what I needed for the podcast. A lot of people, like you mentioned, a lot of people approach me about starting a podcast. What do I need? Is it hard? And I just try to explain that like it can be as hard as you want it to be. Like You can complicate this process as much as you want to, but it can also be incredibly simple. And I, in my experience, it's been incredibly simple. Time consuming, yes, but in terms of the, the hardware and like the, the equipment you need, it's been incredibly simple. Yeah. You know, like I mentioned before we hopped on, like we do an organic one take uh, approach to these things, which I think in some ways has made the conversations a little livelier, a little richer, uh, but it's based on function, which is, I don't really know how to edit mm-hmm. tracks very easily and, and haven't had the time to figure out how to do those kind of things when you get audio drift or the tracks don't sync up and those kind of things. Um, you know, did, did you end up learning those skills? Like what's the extent of your production value on the podcast? So I use GarageBand because I have a Mac and it's free. <laughs> nice. um, okay. The other thing is I think I think being able to, and I just lightly edit, I don't edit a whole lot, um, but I think so, one of the reasons that may have come a little bit easier to me is because I have a video editing background. And so I'm used to like being in Final Cut and iMovie and whatever other video editing platforms. And it, it kind of functions the same way. So I was able to just transfer those skills to GarageBand. But I also watched a YouTube video from maybe Pat Flynn and he edits his podcast or whoever edits his podcast does it on GarageBand. And he just kind of did a walkthrough of how he edits the tracks. It was like maybe 20 minutes, very simple. Um, And like, that's literally the process I use. So I have a template that's already set up. I don't have to do any crazy stuff every time I want to edit. I just have to edit the specific interview track and then it's done. And are you doing stuff with people in person or it's mostly some sort of like remote site like we use? Always remote. And yeah. I use um, I use Zoom instead of Zencaster. Okay. And I just um, use that record function. I've literally never recorded an episode in person. I'm actually more intimidated <laughs> by that than I am of doing it remotely. Yeah. You know, when I was at convention last year, we did some live stuff and we've done a couple of live episodes, uh, live being like we're just sitting on a table somewhere. It doesn't just mm-hmm. make saying we do it live makes it sound fancy. But um, yeah, I think we're gonna try to do that again at convention this year. And yeah, it definitely adds a different, different feel to it for sure. Um, and then in terms of <clears throat> how you wanted to construct the podcast, did you have 
a template in mind beforehand based on podcasts you listened to, or you for sure wanted to uh, kind of convert what was happening on YouTube, but into podcast format? Like what was your philosophy on how you're going to construct the thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I am a podcast addict. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and I kind of so because of that, I kind of had a format in mind, because I felt like the podcast that I was creating was in a similar category as many of the podcasts that I listen to. So I figured if this format works for them, it will probably work for me. There were other podcasts that I listened to that are probably backed by corporations who have a lot of money and a lot of staff, like more than one person. And it's just me running my podcast. And the way that they formatted theirs, I am in love with. Like, I love the format of those podcasts, but I did not have and still do not have the bandwidth to format to format my podcast in that way. So I really just mainly looked at what are people in my category already doing? Does it work for them? Um, maybe how can I spice it up a little bit? But also, what do I have the the time capacity to do and to do consistently on my own and without paying anyone else to do it, <laughs> at least at this point yeah. in time? And then what kind of things do you see in terms of listenership? Are certain episodes spiking way different than other ones or is it pretty consistent each time you post what does that actually sound and look like well it's highly dependent upon how widely the person i'm actually interviewing shares their episode i do notice that of course you know when they share theirs it's going to open it up to a broader base of people um i also alternate episodes so Every other Sunday, I publish what's called a Side Note Sunday episode. And it's just a brief, like 15 to 20 minute solo episode from me about a topic. Um, I have a healthcare writing business. So maybe I'll talk about, you know, some of my challenges or successes with that. And then I have on alternating Tuesdays, the the interview episodes that are posted. Um, So I definitely see like differences in in listeners for my side note Sunday episodes versus the interview episodes, um, just because of, you know, how many people are going to be promoting that and spreading it. Um, but I really enjoy both of them for different reasons. And I'm able to connect with my audience in a different way for both of those. Um, so regardless of the listenership outcomes, I feel very comfortable with the way that that's set up right now. Nice. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about podcasts, also a little bit about Atlanta. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. All right. So as far as Atlanta, we both have some Emory ties. Um, That was my alma mater, graduated in 01. What's your relationship to the campus there? Yes, I graduated from the college in 2011. And um, it's funny because right after I graduated, I kind of stuck around that (laughs) like Clifton Road area. (laughs) Like I worked at, um, I'm a pharmacist. So while I was in pharmacy school at Mercer, which is based in Atlanta. I worked at Children's Healthcare, which you know is right across from Emory. And then on some other occasions, I worked at the CDC, which is right down the street from Emory. So I had this like little home in the Emory <laughs> corridor that I kind of stuck to. Um, but I still try to connect with some of the alumni organizations, um, SEBA, Caucus of Emory Black Alumni, um, my sorority, I try to, to give back and, and stay connected to what's going on in the Emory network. Yeah. Where, where did you live when you were there? I lived, I lived in New Terman, which wasn't oh, there yeah. when you were there. 
Um, I also lived on Claremont and then I lived in the sorority lodge and I lived somewhere else, but I can't remember where that would have been. Nice. Oh, the black student alumni house, which is like way down by the baseball. Field. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I lived in, uh, in Dobbs for two years as an RA, uh, okay. junior and senior year. So, um, I hadn't been back until I guess I went last April, um, it's funny, I have a, a high school friend who's actually a tenured professor there now in the film studies department. Oh. But yeah, I happened to be in Georgia for a wedding. But yeah, stopped by Atlanta, stopped by the campus, and so we kind of bummed around. Um, Did you know how to get around? Because I imagine it looked completely different. I, t- I, I feel like I can only do like the library, Cox Hall, the duck, Dobb swing, and then everything else looks super yeah. confusing. Um, and you know the duck is gone now. Yeah, they were, it's true. They were just starting to knock it down when I was there. It's a good point, mm-hmm. uh, which is wild. Because yeah, I, I worked on the wheel, which is a uh, Emory newspaper. And so mm-hmm. spent a lot of time on the fifth floor of the duck and, and those things. So yeah, it was interesting to see it, see it knocked down. Uh, listen, last thing, what should folks know about Atlanta these days? I feel like there's a lot of change, a lot of, a lot of progressive conversations happening about housing, about the Beltline and affordability and transportation. Like what kind of things would you want folks to know? I think, um, so Atlanta is growing exponentially, which is hard to believe given some of the challenges that we're facing right now. But um, I think, especially for people who are new to Atlanta, who may be coming into the city, I think it's important to realize that different parts of Atlanta have such different cultures and you can really find something that fits fits you and your lifestyle, regardless of where you go. But also, I would just encourage you to be cognizant of the existing and the historical culture that's already there, because that means a lot to Atlanta, to the residents of Atlanta. And I think it's only right to to try to preserve some of that, even as we are growing and changing um, to, to kind of stay true to what Atlanta's roots are and, and Atlanta's history. Nice. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. And if you're in Atlanta tomorrow, make sure to check out NLC Atlanta's chapter fundraiser. You can find Info on their chapter at newleaderscouncil.org and all the good stuff will be there. And thanks for listening to this episode. You can find all past episodes of The Zag and all the places you're getting podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the good stuff. So check that out and make sure to check out Lazy Millennial. We'll put in info for that podcast in the description for this episode. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.